You can't put new thoughts into an old brain. That's where the neuroplasticity comes in. Now, in neuroscience, mm -hmm. the old thinking is not going to get you where you want to go. You've got to upgrade your thinking. And now we know it's all about energy. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 141 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee and I'm tuning in with my fellow Biohacker Babe and sister Lauren. Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. We wanted to do a quick little intro because our episode coming out today was actually from our live event at the Biohacking Congress in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. We had the opportunity to interview Dr. Patrick Porter for the second time, actually. So if you missed the episode last year with Dr. Porter, definitely go back and check that out because he is the founder of one of our favorite biohacks, the Brain Tap. And in the episode last year, we did a deeper dive into that device. So if you're new to that, definitely go back and check that out. But this time around at our live event, we had the opportunity to talk more about following up on some more brain health things, but a lot on what he presented at biohacking Congress. He had gave an amazing lecture about the surviving versus thriving brain and really all about coherence between the brain and the heart. And I love that he says the brain tap is a digital drug. I mean, you know, we talk about it a lot. We both love this device so much. And then we talk a lot about brainwave states and get into things that are happening with addiction, how we can change habits based off of brain waves and brain health. Really, really awesome conversation. Always great to chat with him. And we joke, you know, that he is a fellow biohacker babe as well. Yes, he is. Proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think on the digital drug front, I think it's so fascinating what they're seeing with the brain tap and this release or stimulation of DMT in the brain, which everyone is chasing with psychedelic medicines, but also with, you know, darkness retreats, meditation, but we can achieve that with the brain tap, with the light and sound frequencies, which is really amazing. I mean, the stuff that he's pulling out, I'm just so amazed at all the studies and all the facts. And we got into being able to predict the future by getting into this flow state with brain tap and recovering faster from exercise, the, the number of studies and the research that they're seeing in response to this device is just outstanding. And I am just blown away every time I hear him talk. I think similar to Freddie, he can just pull story after fact, after study out one after another. It's just, it's pretty endless. So I'm just always so, so amazed to listen to him. Yeah. We're big fans of Dr. Porter. All right. So a little bit more about Dr. Porter before we bring him on. He is an award-winning author, speaker, and the founder of BrainTap, the leader in technology-enhanced meditation. Dr. Porter pioneered the use of brainwave entrainment to improve clarity, sleep, and energy, and remains at the forefront of scientific research. He founded BrainTap with the goal of making this technology accessible to everyone. BrainTap offers over 1,000 original audio sessions in 12 languages and serves a worldwide user base with its mobile app and headset. Dr. Porter has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, People, Entrepreneur, on ABC, NBC, CBS as an expert in brain health and wellness. And in 2020, Dr. Porter received the IAFNR Lifetime Achievement Award. Awesome. We hope you enjoy this live interview from Biohacking Congress. Welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. My name is Renee. I'm here with my sister, Lauren, as well, fellow Biohacker Babe. Hello. And Dr. Patrick Porter is our wonderful guest and we are recording live from Biohacking Congress in Las Vegas today. Wait so, a minute, I'm not a babe? No. Oh, yeah. Fellow, <laughs> I have this one. Biohacker babe. Biohacker babe. We're going to get you a necklace. You know. All the babes here. Yeah, but it's such a pleasure to get to interview you again. So if you have not already heard the episode with Dr. Patrick Porter, please go back and listen to it because we talk a lot about the fabulous brain tap, our favorite biohack. So today we're going to dive a little bit deeper, and we also were fortunate enough to hear you speak yesterday, which is always <laughs> such a pleasure. I always learn so much from you, and it's just such a great topic. So I think to kick it off, um, one thing that you said that really stuck with me was 
all about coherence. And you said that's really when all three brains are working together. Yes. So, and I'm sure most people <laughs> yeah. are like, what do you mean three brains? What is that? Well, yeah, well, most people think our brain's up here, which obviously it is. We have this gray matter between our ears. But I tell people that that's kind of like a Google, Google tablet. It doesn't really do anything. It just transmits and receives information. There, we have our gut, which we know, it, like when somebody has an injury, like a skiing injury or a neck injury, or where they they uh, are paralyzed, their body still can digest, metabolize, and keep functioning because our gut has a brain and actually has more gray matter than our brain between our ears. So we have these neuron connections in our brain, you know, dendrite connections in the way we think. So we're always thinking, I, you got a gut feeling or you're talking. That's a real, that's a reality. But now we know because of people like HeartMath about the brain we have in our chest. With Our heart has 40,000 neutrino cells, which act as a brain that controls the whole show. That's why most of the biohackers have a heart rate variability. That's the whole reason that heart rate variability is used because it's controlling this communication. When, it, when I'm talking about the three in coherence, because they all communicate. The heart is delivering twice as much information to the brain as the brain does to the heart. The gut, the same thing. The, this, that's what I'm saying. This brain doesn't really do much, although it, it coordinates activities. So, but when they're coherent, you can measure that. Like when you're measuring your heart rate coherence, what you're really measuring is how's your nervous system functioning? Are you able to be stressed and then relax? Are you able to relax and then be stressed? And for those who are wondering how people that aren't familiar with heart rate variability, I like to tell them if you work out, you can test your heart rate variability very easy to see if you're recovering. You do This is what we do with the Olympic athletes, is you do the HRV before you work out, do your hardest workout, whatever you want to do, measure it afterwards. You're going to see it crashed. That's what it's supposed to do. A lot of people get yeah. freaked out. But, and then four hours later, without doing anything, no interventions, you should recover. You should be where you were when you started your exercise. If not, you're overtraining. You've you got to you're, you're going to actually get declines and you're, you're not going to get the gains you're thinking just by putting in more time. It could be also you're not doing the right things after, like nutritionally, things mm -hmm. like that. So what we did when we're talking about brain tap to get that coherence, because what happens is the body's dysregulated. It's stressed out. You know, so how long did it take the brain to reorganize? And I'm talking about the three brains, the heart, the, everything. It took four hours. So what we wanted to show is what happens if you do a brain tap right afterwards. And then what I showed here in the talk was Kansas City Sport that has a 20-station like biohacking lab now because we, we told them how to stack a few hacks in there. And we showed them that after practice, you could get that four-hour improvement in 20 minutes with brain tap. And so, so the key, and we're, one of the things we're really proving out is recovery is so important. And that's when your body can reorganize and start to function the way it's supposed to. Yeah. So with exercise specifically, we get this hormetic stress, we get mm -hmm. the rebound effect yep. that then later increases the HRV. Yes. Are there any contraindications to doing that type of recovery too quickly after a workout or any, any type of stress? No, your body's still going to keep regulating. What we want to teach the body is you can get as stressed as you want and we can recover. So if we can, what you're tra we're training the body to recover faster because we have, the, you know, our, we're tuned to the light of our sun, right? All the different hormonal things that happen. We have this daily cycle. Like the reason we don't, uh, some people wake up in the middle of the night is because their temperature increases two degrees at around two to three o'clock in the morning. And in the afternoon, it decreases. That's why people get hungry. You know, they go have chocolate or tea or coffee or something in the middle of the afternoon because the body, it's, but that's regulated by the sun because it doesn't matter where you're on the planet, it's happening at those times. Right. So when you think about working out, and doing that, how quickly your body recovers, we've not, I mean, back in the 50s and 60s when you do the research, they thought people that worked out would actually stunt their growth. They, so they didn't encourage people to work what? out and weightlift. So really? Yeah, per, people like Jack LaLanne had to prove that muscle fitness meant you're going to live longer and have more health. They thought it was like, why are people doing that? Because they were farmers. You know, that's where they, you know, they didn't, nobody lifted weights. I still remember my yeah. uncles when I worked out in, in the 60s and 70s, and they're going, you're going to do what? You're going to run? <laughs> you know, they, they, they never heard of that before because everybody was more active then anyway. So, I mean, there wasn't the yeah. obesity. It seems like we now know all mm -hmm. these things and people are still getting more overweight and, and having more mental dysfunction than ever. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, all the health conditions are definitely on the rise for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Circling back to that, what's the significance of the four hours? Is there it's research not a certain, on that? It's just, yeah, it's just that's what they found at Olympic, you know, elite athletes. That's how long it usually takes okay, for them to okay. recover, just in general. And they know that um, if you... People read some. I'm sure in their studies, peep, some people recover faster. There, okay. there are some people like when I was in college, I used to run four quarter miles, 
and that was my my race was a quarter mile. So at the beginning of the year, of course, after you run four of them, you're dead laying on the track and you just can't move. But by the middle of the season, you could run four more because your body learns and adapts. So that's what you want to teach it is how fast can you adapt and do it. That's why even with running, they know that if you run, for sprints anyway, if you ran a quarter mile, you walk a quarter mile. If you, they, They've known this in sports psychology because that's the muscles need that recovery time to get the lactic acid out, you know, all the mm-hmm. things that are happening. Yeah. yeah, adaptation is so crucial to survival. Mm. That's reminding me of something you said yesterday. We're kind of stuck between the surviving and then thriving mode. We, yeah. As biohackers, we want to thrive, but a lot of us really are just kind of hanging out a baseline because of all of our environmental stressors, mental stress. So how do we go more on the thriving side? Well, first, don't, if you're doing biohacking so you don't get the fear stuff, there's a, in Job, the Bible says that what I fear greatly has come upon me. That's actually a psychological law. Because if you don't want something, it's going to happen. We've all had that happen mm, before, right? We, we think about those. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when you're doing the biohack, it should be all to optimize health and to, you know, do these things. Because there is a lot of negative stuff out there. But what, especially what we're learning here, like at the Congress here, the biohacking Congress, is there's technology that can offset that. So we can offset that by eating healthy. We can offset that. So all of that's happening in in the world. And I think people um, need to have that positive attitude, most importantly. That's going to be, that'll help everything. It amplifies everything. Because if you're fighting against a negative thought process, it's not going to work. In other words, I I knew a group, a family, they they ate healthy. I mean, I loved going over there to eat because they were vegetarian and they were always really good food. I was vegetarian at the time, so you could, it was hard to find good food back then. In in but they were always sick, and then I realized they were all they were eating that way so they wouldn't get sick. Ah, uh, and they well. they nutritionally now what we know in that survivor and thriving brain if you that puts you in the survivor brain even though you're eating the way you should as long as your physiology is showing up and your psychology is out of balance that's another state of coherence and that's why they say all unhappiness stems from unfavorable comparisons you know if you're doing mm-hmm. action but you're not getting the result. So if a biohacker isn't in the right mindset, but they're doing a hack, but they're not getting the results, but everybody else is, then there's probably something they're doing. You yeah. know, like if, yeah. uh, you know, some people will say, oh, I've tried keto diet or I've tried paleo or I've tried this and it doesn't work. We know they all work, but you've got to commit, you know, to what you're doing. If you, you know, you can't do keto and still have a donut in the morning every once in a while or something like that, you know, so <laughs> those yeah. are the, but yeah. people think that, oh, I've done all these good things. So that means I get away with this one thing. That it's harder to build a house than it is to tear one down. So if you think of that in that way, so when you're, you're taking all this time to build up, that's why it's got to be a lifestyle. You know, when you're doing these changes, and that's where this, the term now that's coined as the atomic changes, take the smallest change, it's going to bring you the biggest result. And in, in systems programming, which is part of NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is they'll tell you the, the part of a system that's the most flexible controls the system. So when all these changes are happening for you as a biohacker, you've got to be the flexible one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you might, mm-hmm. you can't get invested in anything because everything you do could be proven wrong tomorrow and something better replaces it. And it's, it's got to be, that's the real scientific model, right? And it's not uh, like we hear from other people that they're the science. You know, nobody's the science. It's the, the reality is that the science is the science. What does it prove to you? And uh, I think the other part is that, like, even with the, when you were at our booth here in, in doing the measurements, everybody's a universe of one. I mean, we all have similarities, but something could work really well for you, and then I do it, and it doesn't work for me. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means it doesn't work for you. So mm-hmm. always go in with the attitude that um, anything worth doing well is worth doing terrible at first. That's what I tell people. <laughs> you know, because everything we do, we learn through stress. Think about how you walked. You fell down every week conceivable till you finally made a mistake and walked across the room. And then your brain, right. your, but when we're younger, our brain goes, all those negative tries, Let's get rid of those. Let's just focus on the way I walked across the room because babies very rarely fall down once they get their balance. They forget all those failures. As we grow up, unfortunately, we hold on to them and mm. we, we kind of oh use them as badges <laughs> and say, you know, this is in, you know, nobody, I know that social media that makes it very popular, but most people don't really care about what you're doing. You know, the, some people do, but it means like you got to do it for you. And then if you want to share it with the world. You know, that's, that's one thing, but there are people getting into this because uh, maybe they see your, your podcast and all that. And they go, oh, that's glamorous. I want to do that. And they've never done it. 
but they, they read a book or they go to a class, next thing you know, they're an influencer, but they're not an influencer. You've got to, the first person that you have to influence is yourself. You know, so every day do some, so self, do some self-assessment. Then, you know, people will want to ask, hey, what do you do? How do you do that? What's going on with you? That's when you know, you know, it should be about your health, your experiences. How can you be a better person? In all areas, of course, but we're hearing it all here, even from spirituality this morning. So it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, didn't, can I ask yeah, a question? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Your turn. Um, <laughs> I know we try and ping pong, keep it going back and forth. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, about the personalization. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about that on the podcast, how everyone's different. Like you said, mm-hmm. what's going to work for you isn't going to work for me. It's not going to work for Lauren kind of thing. Um, but interestingly enough, the brain tap has been my thing that works mm. really well. Like yeah. it moves the needle on my HRV, yeah. on my deep sleep. I can feel the difference. And so consistency is so key with whatever yeah. works for you. And yeah. like for me, I can do the brain tap 30 minutes every day and it really makes a big difference mm-hmm. for someone else. Maybe it is the right. diet, the perfect right. diet. That's what moves the needle. But so I'm recommending to everyone that's listening, just Continue your biohacking journey. Try different things. Be open-minded. Like Dr. Porter said, the science could change tomorrow. Be open-minded to that and just be willing to try things. Uh, Circling back to something you had said yesterday, uh, you mentioned one of my favorite books of all time, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So good. When I was battling chronic fatigue syndrome in my 20s, Someone recommended that book to me, and it was shocking. I was like, what do you mean? It's like (laughs) how I'm perceiving the stress. It's Mm. not just... You know, because zebras, right, they go through stressful things, mm-hmm. but then they just walk away and they forget, like, oh, a lion's just trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Versus me, if someone cut me off in the next six hours, I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. internalizing the stress. I spilled my coffee. Yeah. Oh, death. Yeah, the day's ruined. I got to go to bed. I got to start over tomorrow. Yeah. And so humans, it's so interesting how we do keep that going. So what advice can we give to people to bypass that? Well, if you look at our pets, you know when your pet shakes and does that? Yeah. They're getting rid of that. They're getting out of their survivor brain and into their thriving brain. I do That's that sometimes in the morning with yeah. my dog, which yeah. is not intentional. Yeah. I'm going to keep they doing do that. it. I, see, I can just get energy running through my body because it's that's how we do it. But most people are so neurologically locked, they can't. I yeah. tell people, even though my background is psychology, a lot of times it's physiology, not psychology, that's a problem. If you can't get rid of a memory or an experience, that's a physiological problem more than it is a psychological problem. They'll try to treat it psychologically, but it's your body, our flow. Think of all negative emotional states. There's one thing in common. You don't breathe. If you're angry, upset, worried. So when those negative things happen and you don't breathe, from that moment on, you probably were shallow breathing until you got rid of it. And as soon as it was gone, people go, (sighs) just like you're doing a breathing exercise. And then then you start breathing again. So I always tell people that if you can pre-plane that, that's where like the brain tap comes in because I'm giving you, I'm doing some little breathing exercise with you. And then I'm saying, where would you use that? So mm-hmm. we need to start thinking about what are our assets? What do we do better than anyone else? Or what do we need improvement on? Pick those little things out and breathe through them. That's what I always tell people. You have to learn to breathe. And that's why I recommend like yoga, Tai Chi or dance. You got to do something, to get your body moving. Yeah. Because most people don't. I mean, in the listeners, if you just sit across the table tonight at dinner with your family and you start talking, there's going to be somebody during that meal will go, and then they'll say, oh, caught my breath. They weren't breathing. Mm. And then their their primitive brain said, hey, wake up, (laughs) take a breath, because people stop because of stress. You know, there's, there's not only the fight or flight, there's the freeze response. And that's where that's where we stop breathing. Yeah. So every mammal has that written into their their code. So but we can train out of it. You know, we live in a whole different world right now. You know, I'm sure that our ancestors in 200,000 years ago in the Serengeti were more like the zebra, you know, Mm. because they couldn't be Mm -hmm. that negative. If they froze up and didn't function, they were dinner just like the zebra. So you've got to keep moving. You know, it's not just the thing on Disney where she says, keep swimming, you know, in the thing. I use that with my yeah. grandkids all the time. Keep swimming, I love <laughs> right. that. Yeah. yeah. I always think it's so funny if I take a big sigh, I'm like, ah, people are like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, I feel better now. Yeah. I'm not sure if I was before, but now yeah. I'm good. Right, you just off yeah. that, yep. Also dropping into your body, like having mm. the embodied practice, like yep. you said, like mm. we spend so much of our time up here, like above the neck. Right. When we have a huge instrument down here that sends so much communication and so many of us are kind of out of tune with those signals right. and breathing, I think, drops us down into our body. How would you say that brain tap kind of connects the two? 
Well, what we're doing, when you did that, when you did that SI, if we had you hooked up to QEG, we would see that you would have a major reorganization in the brain at that moment. And you would probably see upregulation of theta and alpha, which are timeless places, you know, that you go mm-hmm. to in the brain. Mm-hmm. And so what BrainTap is doing is it's putting you into the psychological and the physiological state at the same time. Now, your brain will match that with the emotion that makes sense because the, the emotion not only drives behavior, it runs the program. You know, we are, we're still, no matter how cerebral somebody is, emotion still at one point will take over. And, you know, the, it'll, it'll start controlling some facet of their life. So with BrainTap, we're going to take away the physiology and, and just get you to start visualizing, you know, how your body's supposed to function. We do that through frequencies, light, and sound. So it's not the way our body communicates. You know, when they say uh, communication is nonverbal, 88% is nonverbal, right? Well, we now know it's probably more than that. It's nonverbal because we're also sharing light, we're sharing frequency, we're sharing energy. When we're standing here, we're different than our last one we did across the computer world. We're in each other's energy right now. And there's actually information being shared. That's why when you, it's not just a thing, some people are more sensitive. They'll go, I got a good vibe from that person or I didn't get a good vibe from that person. What they're saying is my frequencies didn't match with that person. And it wasn't anything they said. You'll know this like in the book by uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell where it's called Blink. They've done tests. It's like right now, you know, we, we get so much information. In fact, in ESP, just to give, put that a, a kind of an explanation point on that, there was a study done where they were doing the psychic cards where you had to guess if they were red or black, red or black, and they had to hook up to uh, QEG. They were guessing, they could find out what they were going to say before they said it. And they were, had 100% accuracy reading that precognition that we all have. Before wow. the card, the card was still on the, in the deck. Nobody had touched it yet. They knew what the card was. So imagine, most people don't even get 50%. And that would be statistically normal. Sure. But yeah. the people that are sensitive that believe they can do it, were they, every one of them, even the ones that scored 25%, they knew the right one but didn't say it. Their brain picked the right one because they knew the region of the brain that would light up if it was red or black and things like that. And so we have this, we're doing that, and that, that's just a card game, right? A little psychic game. But we're doing that all the time with people. You know, how many times you're sitting there listening to somebody, but you're waiting to say something, you know, because you, you're formulating that. That's because you anticipate, you know, when they're going to end or what's going to happen because we're always kind of future pacing and using that. That's, oh, yeah, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> your right. turn, your turn. Okay. Yeah, totally. um, I will say about the card thing real quick. A friend of mine, um, Blake Eastman, he has a company called Beyond Tells, oh. and he works with poker players, and it's all nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what he can pick up and train people. No, no words at all. It's just the eyebrow, the pulse, what I, you know, what maybe hand movement, yeah. it, which makes me wonder what is happening to children today with the mask issue. Oh, I think I was going to bring that up. Oh. I've heard yeah. that there's like a decreased, you know, time in learning to speak because they're seeing their teachers with a mask. You don't see the lips moving. Right. And well, the, one, the scariest part was they did studies and in general, everybody was 25% dumber when they wear a mask. Wow, twenty five. Statistically, so if you wanted to drop their IQ by twenty five percent, just put a mask. Uh, on. The um, and then oh the the other is that they're not getting when we read. There's some there's aphasia where that means people can't read faces. They can't remember your face or whatever. It's a psychological disorder. They think we're going to have more of that because we learn as children. There's a group of children that didn't learn the facial cues at the right time in their development. And to put that in perspective for the listeners. Do, do either of you speak any language besides English, or do you just speak one language? A little bit of Spanish. Okay, Not so, as fluent as I used to be. Right. A little French. So, so you had two languages in there, right? If you learned another language before seven, the circuit that learns languages stays active. If, if after seven you're not speaking another language, it goes dormant. Our science officer, Dr. Sidral, I was in India with him. We were traveling. He speaks six languages. So I'm not surprised when he just starts speaking a language. And we're leaving India, and he's talking to this person in Hindi. And I said, Francisco, when did you learn Hindi? He said, oh, we've just been here for three weeks. I picked it up. Because his brain circuit was so active. We don't learn the way you think we learn. We learn by absorption. And even John Grinder, one of the founders of NLP, he might get arrested for doing this today, but he used to go to the playgrounds, and he would hang out with the kids, and he could learn a language in six months. Because they don't learn, the way we teach that in school and all these different ways, that's not the way our brain learns. Our, learn, our brain learns by basically being in the environment. That's why the immersion schools are so popular and, and people go there and they learn the language. Yeah, so, assimilation. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I 
spent, I think, sixth grade through all the way to college lear- learning Spanish. <laughs> Could put maybe two sentences together. I went, I studied abroad for four months in Barcelona, fluent within a, right. two weeks. Yeah, because you were not only getting the verbal, you were getting photaically charged with their knowledge. Oh, Everybody, wow. this is one of the things I shared yesterday that is new. There was a study done that showed when we can measure our energy. So the way I put it in perspective, because our science officer made some clothing, which is called recovery wear that Tom Brady now sells. It's called oh, yeah. TB12. And somebody goes, well, he doesn't even explain it. He just has to say, I'm Tom Brady. I'm right. 44 right. years old. TB12, buy, you know, buy, buy this clothes. <laughs> but what's happening to that clothing, there's little ceramics in there that my science officer made. He created the, that clothing. Because they found out that our bodies, actually every one of us emits between 800 and 860 nanometer light all the time. You're broadcasting infrared light. So all the benefits of infrared light happen when you're around another person. They now know that in the study, because that's photaic energy, so they can measure that. And so what they found out was somebody who's in a state of grace and love and harmony and, you know, forgiveness, there are 200 times more light coming from their body than somebody who's in fear anxiety and stress. And I started thinking, that puts a whole new spin on what happened to us during the pandemic. You know, it's like, oh my God, yeah. because we're not around people. We're not, they scared the heck out of everybody. Our, they dampened the field of energy. Yeah. We, so we're, we know that, and just for perspective, if somebody wants to research it, because I learned it first from Dave Asprey when I was, I was interviewing him for the, uh, one of my summits. And the, he said something about, uh, this new science coming out of this biophotaic information. And now they know that that's how our body communicates at a cellular level. So we show up, how we show up is directly relation to the amount of energy we have in a mitochondria that pushes this information out. It's because 99% of our DNA or genes change every 40 seconds. So that's how adaptive we are, you know, on a cellular level. Now we don't change our looks or anything like that, but we change how it expresses. Like somebody could be expressing as an alcoholic when they could be expressing as somebody who's alcohol-free, depending upon the thoughts they're thinking, the environment they're with. And, and we all know that. I, I use the example with, with clients all the time when they go, you know, we have different languages when we're in different environments, and that changes our physiology. Like for a man, if you're in the, if you're in the clubhouse talking, there's a whole different language pattern than if you're at church, right? right? <laughs> Could be the same hopefully. guy talking. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Checking into this environment, <laughs> right? Today. Yeah. Right. Could you? I, I used to tell Locker that. To, I told this to, to smokers because I used to have an addiction clinic, and they would come in and I'd say, "How? When's the last time you lit up in church?" And they said, "Oh," because they told me I, they told me they were going to church, right? Because I'd ask that question, and they said, "Oh, we don't smoke at church." I said, "Do you make it?" "Oh, yeah. I can be in church for two hours. I don't even think about huh. it." I said, does that tells you that the cues in your environment are triggering the behavior? And, you know, that's yeah. how you know. So, I mean, it's just like some people say, you know, they're a bad influence on me, you know, when you have certain friends, because they're the ones that give you permission maybe to do things that you wouldn't do if you were left to your own devices or if you're around another person, you know. They, so I think but if we start making our own little fence about what's important to us and what we're going to tolerate, that's why even I said in the talk, you got to get rid of some people probably. We call them, uh, you know, energy vampires, mm-hmm. you know, because they're gonna, and now we know they absorb that energy. They're like a succubus, you know, they're, they're, they're just, and yeah. there are people that when they leave, it feels like a little piece of your soul went with them, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think some of us almost feel shame, feeling like, yeah. oh, I feel like my light was stolen. You know, I'm a bad person <laughs> if I, like, cut this person out of my life, but, right. like, we do have to be protective, and I think choosing your environment yeah. Wisely, that's so interesting about the smoking. I, I keep thinking about this book that I read recently, The Path of Least Resistance. Oh. We were talking to Freddie about it yesterday. Mm. And to actually make change, like to go from problem solving to creating, you have to change the thought process of it's not, I don't want to smoke. It's, I am not a smoker. Right. So you're already putting yourself in that being state rather than just focus, focusing on what you said before. Like, if you right. focus the, on the negative, could... not doing, you're going to do it, probably. Yeah. That's what they call a dry alcoholic. We probably have all met people like that. They still have all the habits, patterns, beliefs, but they're just not drinking. And eventually right. they're going to do something to trigger the behavior mm. because they haven't changed the thinking. Everything else. Right? You know, and, and actually, you know, they say, even the Bible says you can't put new wine in old wineskins. What that metaphor is, you can't put new thoughts into an old brain. You've got to upgrade your, that's where the neuroplasticity comes in. Now in neuroscience, mm-hmm. you can't, the old thinking is not going to get you where you want to go. You've got to upgrade your thinking. And now we know it's all about energy. 
Hey, biohackers, Renee here. I just wanted to take a quick break from today's show to tell you about one of our favorite supplement companies, Keon. They make a couple amazing products that are just our absolute go-tos, such as the Keon Aminos for building muscle and helping us get through a fast, the Keon Lean, which helps with blood sugar support, weight loss, and Keon Flex to keep our joints healthy so that we can hit the gym extra hard the next day. And even the coffee is fabulous. So the coffee is super, super clean, mold-free. They test it, and it also tastes delicious. They even have a dark roast coffee now. So those are just a few of our top favorites, but Keon has a ton of great stuff, so definitely check out their website. If you go to getkeon, and that's K-I-O-N.com slash biobabes, you can check out all of their awesome products. And then at checkout to get 15% off, just use code BIOBABES15. And in case you need the link, we will put that in the show notes for today's episode. All right. If you have any questions, let us know. Hope you enjoy the products. So I think that's why, you know, like in the biohacking community, people change their, their psychology as well as their physiology because you're, you're doing it to better yourself, you know, and... I don't think a lot of people, even though they do it, they do things for themselves that are damaging. Like they go, I'm worth the most expensive whiskey or whatever. You know, that becomes, that, that's their reward where most biohackers might say, maybe I'll have a little bit of that, but then I've got to do this and this and this and this <laughs> over the next three weeks. And they go, well, man, I'm going to say no to that because I don't have to thinking do. about the consequences. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's what most people with addictions don't do. They are, our brain, there are people that are called through time people. They usually don't get addicted. Because they know the the if you were with my wife and you're going by a bakery and there's a piece of chocolate cake there, she'd go, oh, I got a stomachache just looking at it. But she's you know 120 pounds. I look at it and go, man, that chocolate cake looks good. I'm you know, your wife. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> right. So that's a that's a through time person. An in time mm-hmm. person is someone like me that says, cake. <laughs> you know, I'm going to eat it. And then while you're eating, you go, I can't believe I ate the whole thing like the old commercial that was on television. Because in the moment, you're not thinking about the consequences. So an, an addictive brain is somebody who just immediate gratification, no thought of long-term consequences. I think what a biohacker does is they, they stop for a minute, take a breath. What is this going to do? I mean, some even get the glucose monitors, right, and wear them. So you go, okay, I just ate that pretzel. <laughs> what happened? You know, right. oh, can't no, no more pretzels. You cannot <laughs> see that glucose explosion. Right. You're like, right. well, not having that again. Right. I mean, yeah. even with our little scanner that you saw, the, the neuroscan, my nephew, we went out, shot some pool. We were visiting, and we showed him. The, that's when we first got it. We were in the family. We were doing all the scans with him. And he scanned really well, but we went out to shoot some pool. And everybody's drinking water, you know, and things like that. He's drinking beer. He's the only one drinking beer. We came home kind of late. We go to bed, and when I wake up, we, he's got the, the scan had been ran by him, and his brain was black. I mean, like, no energy, whatever. And, and when we woke up, I said, Wallace, what, what did you notice there? He goes, he goes, I'm not drinking anymore. I can't believe that's what my brain looked like. He's 27 years old, and he, looked, he had the brain of a 99-year-old or something. It was terrible. And, wow. of course, after it took about three days for his brain. We were there for a week, and we kept measuring it every day. I said, let's see how long it takes your brain to regulate. So if you go out and get hammered, it's going to take about 72 hours for your nervous system to go back to normal. Mm. You know? So that data is so powerful. I mean, Renee and I talk so much about using data to build your intuitive practice or tapping Mm -hmm. back into your intuition. So can you explain maybe how BrainTap works on that neuroplasticity to Mm -hmm. connect that and maybe make it just easier for us? Well, the biggest thing is that a lot of the intuition comes from pictures, right? Or you have images or hunches or impressions. So when you, if you're in beta, which is where most people operate in high levels. That's the dopamine receptors and why mm-hmm. everybody's driven by all these hedonistic behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you go, but or they have so much delta, they're like brain fog. They're they're Sleeping just the yeah. They, they don't have any mm-hmm. energy. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to get you into that alpha theta state. That's where intuition. That's where it lives. You know, even when we're operating on a day-to-day basis, we should have about 30% alpha because that's, those are, if you don't have 30% alpha, a few things can happen. One is if it drops below 20%, we find people become nonverbal, you know, so, uh, or they become, or they become so stressed just thinking of their thoughts because we do, people think we just speak in this voice box, just like a, a CB radio or something, broadcast the message, (laughs) right? There's a lot of activity going on just to speak and you have to be an alpha. So, like, when we did studies with autistic children, as soon as we got them over 23%, 90% of them were speaking because that now they had the brainwaves. So, when you talk about intuition, in that place, we're always predicting our future. 
every neuron that we have is more powerful than a Cray computer. A Cray computer is still the most sophisticated computer we have on Earth. But the color pictures we see from the moon were actually taken with a black and white camera, reprocessed by the Cray computer before color film was invented. So that we could see, you know, wow. but we're doing that every day, all the time, millions of times without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So our brain, given the right information, can predict the future. Because everything considered is moving in a certain direction, in a certain way, through space and time. And even though we on a conscious level don't do it, but to give an example to the listeners so they understand, right now our ears are listening to 25,000 pieces of information. But because we're doing a podcast, we got to listen to each other because you might ask me a question, you know, all that. So we don't daydream about it, but our brain is still processing all that. If somebody runs down the hall screaming, we might not even notice it. But then just to, so we're selecting out only 25 pieces of information to 40 that we act on any moment in time. Our eyes are doing the same thing, but only with 2,000 pieces of information. Science actually shows, quantum science and neuroscience both agree that we render, which means we make up about 80% of our reality. It's here but we make it up and it's proven every day in the kitchens around the world when you go out to get the salt and pepper shaker or something, you say, where's the pepper? And it's right there in front of you. No, it isn't. And then finally you walk out and you go, here it is. And they go, well, it wasn't there for me, you know, just a minute ago. <laughs> it just appeared. Be because they didn't render it. Our, we all have blind spots and things like that. So when we're thinking about that, some people just don't want to know the future. You know, they're, they're pretending they don't know. You know, like w when I see somebody who asks me to help them with a behavior and then they don't change it, I go, what are you pretending not to know? As soon as it becomes a part of your awareness, you're making a conscious choice. It's no longer a habit. Yeah. You know, there's a difference. I mean, no, there's not a power outside of you that doesn't get you in the car to go get the six pack or the beer or the, the drugs, whatever Easy. it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but if you're using that, the saying is, the best way to create the future or to predict the future is to create it, right? So we're doing that all the time. We're choosing what to interact with. This is almost like a graphic user interface and it's driving behavior because we might see somebody and do that. So with, with what's happening with BrainTap with intuition is also there's a chemical correspondent to all this. So each of these brain waves actually tells the gut to produce those neurotransmitters. If you don't have a lot of GABA in your system, which right now is like one of the biggest people looking to hack that and even the medical communities, but nothing can match our brain's capacity to make GABA. Our brain is the best pharmacy on earth, the greatest pharmacy, you know, so, but we have to have theta or we have to have high gamma, one of those two, and then our brain starts to create, create this GABA. So gamma or, or theta, that's when the signal comes. So when you're in those frequencies, the, the gut says, make more of this GABA thing. Now, why is that important? GABA is what is a precursor to DMT. And these are all made in our own brain. We, some people take substances outside themselves, but the reality is it's always the receptors in the brain that make us have our experience. So you could have a DMT experience without DMT because the DMT is in your head anyway. So, so what happens then is you start to move through time differently in these states. And uh, even Einstein knew this when he, you know, he said, if you're, if you're with a beautiful woman for an hour, it seems like a minute. If you're sitting in a hot stove for a minute, it seems like an hour. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because it does depend, you know, we've all been, you know, somewhere where it goes, the clock's running backwards. But when we're doing something we love to do, the time seems to fly. That's yes. because timing, the way the brain processes time is very different than the, there's no linear time for real, for the consciousness that makes a, the underlying reality of everything. But we experience this through time experience. But it's so if in the intuition world is, you can start to predict it because there's, all, there's an infinite number of them, but you have 200 billion whatever neuron connections that are as powerful, each one of them is a great computer. Now they're working wow. together. You get it, they say there's no more complex thing in the universe than the human brain, but that's, we don't know all the other whatever's out there in the universe, but our brain, they can't, they can't create it. So pre to predict something, I think the greatest athletes, we, we they call it flow state, right? When you, mm -hmm. and uh, we did a thing with basketball when we were teaching kids, cause we have a basketball program. When we were teaching them, we said, when you're running and you try to get people to do mathematical equations, some of them will actually trip and fall. You know, you ask, uh -huh. or they're, while they're running, you ask them to spell a word because yeah. their body just, they disconnect. And that was kind of a little exercise I did in there with writing the yeah, name but in the circle. So we do all these games. So with them, we did that. But I said, when you get relaxed in basketball, the high achievers, they're actually calculating high-level physics 
Like, how do you figure out running down the court at 11 miles an hour, passing it to somebody who's running down the court at eight miles an hour, passing a ball with an arc at this, you know, but you're, they're doing that all by nothing. They're not thinking about it. The brain's just calculating it. And some people are better at others and they become professional basketball players. But, you know, mm-hmm. think about skiing down a hill. You got to, that's high level physics, but they're doing it while they're moving. That's the most difficult thing. So that's because they have a connection with their physiology and their psychology. There's a direct connection. If they're not coherent, they'll be uncoordinated. You know, we all know the, the highly left brain people when we're in junior high and you said, your teacher says, I want you to pretend you're a tree. And they're like, well, I'm not going to do that because they, they don't know how to get outside of their logical brain. Yeah. And then there's the kid that goes, oh, yeah, I'm a tree. You know, he just yeah, yeah. loves it. You and know. he's the weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Now we know the weirdo was right because yeah. that gives you flexibility. The more rigid the system, more it's going to break. So th- that's why I tell people anything worth doing well is worth doing terrible at first. You got to try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But the worst thing you can get is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with most biohacks, I should say, because they're not, right. you don't have a list of three pages of contraindications. You don't have to worry about your body falling out behind you because you took something, you know, all the things that happen on a drug commercial. You know, these oh are all gosh, healthy yeah. hacks. Right, right. I'm curious about the, the different brain waves and breaking like an unhealthy habit or the addiction. Yeah. Is that some of like the flow state stuff with yeah. the brain? Tab? What, what, when you like? think of, when you think about learning, most people have heard these logical levels of learning. Have you heard this before? Mm-mm. The, so, so, so you, anything we've learned in the universe on a conscious level is first we go there with unconscious incompetence. We don't know. We don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the, right, it's right. A, then once somebody makes us aware of it, like, what do you mean fat's good for you? You know, all the years where they were, everybody was fat phobic, right? So now, now they give you this piece of information and they go, wow, I didn't know that. Boom, light goes off. Now they start to research and they start to connect the dots. Now they know they know because they got the evidence that's there. Pretty soon that becomes part of their nature. They just get up put butter in their coffee, <laughs> you know, whatever they're going to do and enjoy, you know, the oils that are healthy and things like that. And their life's normal. And they don't think about it again because it's unconsciously, it's unconsciously competent now instead of unconsciously competent. So when, when somebody says, uh, so when you're thinking about that, that's with anything we do. So, so you go, you know what, you've got to do jumping in a, bat- a bath with ice in it. Right. So he goes, What? Why? That's why, why you get that, that. They call that co- <laughs> uh, disassociation, right? Cognizant dissonance. So you're going, what would somebody ever want to jump in a pool of uh, ice Sounds water miserable. for? Yeah. You know, oh, we had a club in our town called the Polar Bear Club, right? So people think about that. And then, you, then now they go, now they're aware of it. And somebody says, but look, look what they did afterwards. Look at how their nervous system changed and became more adaptable. And, and then they go, oh, wow, I'm going to do a little more research, right? Now they start doing it. And then pretty soon they're going, oh, I always take cold showers. I don't get out of the shower till I'm, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't it. ever use hot water. Then you go, well, three months ago, you wouldn't even talk to me about that. What do you, but see, they right. got it because they went through the process. If there's any disconnection there, like if you tell somebody something and you go, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, do it. And, and they only hear it, but they never get to experience it to get that evidence-based piece. Mm-hmm. They don't make the dots. And then it just goes away. It doesn't form into a habit, hmm. especially yeah. if they have another habit that says, you mean stop eating sugar is probably one of the best biohacks I could do? You know, start, start, you know, things like that. And then they do it for a while, but then a part of them says, you know what? These gains aren't fast enough. These aren't good enough. These people are just lucky. They got great bodies. I, I was, God gave me this thing that just expands every day, you know, or something. And they, they want to blame it on <laughs> something else. My and genes. and yeah. then, so what they do is they say, that's, that's true, but for them it isn't because they don't want to. They don't want to, there are people even, I'm sure I have in my family when I said, they go, have you taken the vaccine or something like that? I'll say, did you do the research? Oh, no. I said, then don't talk to me if I, don't ask me the question. Because if you do the research, you know what you're going to do. Nothing. You know, if you, you know, but, but if you're just going to follow whatever, right. because that, that serves them. And how did they do that was they applied fear. Mm-hmm. Fear makes us do really bad things, right? And to get out of that state. Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. You know, we've all been we've all been in a place where we're we're there and we see somebody we maybe didn't get didn't end well with them, but they're coming toward us. The closer they get, just like your body's shaking, you want to you want to yeah you want to yeah. jump. But what it is is you're nervous because you're not in a flow state anymore. You can't predict the future anymore mm. because the last time was an unpredictable event. So the brain's going, oh, 
But if you, everything's moving along, we call that happy means. And if they happen in succession, what do we call that? Happiness. So, you know, that's why when Buddha said all unhappiness stems from unfavorable comparisons. So if you have in your mind what the future is going to be, somebody else has in their mind what the future is going to be, and they don't match, you're probably not going to be together. You know, right. so mm. that's where the mismatch happens. But you can become, what we find is the more you start to use your senses, too, the more you'll have intuition. Mm-hmm. My, dad, my dad, when he taught Silva, there was a technique they taught. People who've done Silva know this. It's, it's a medical, you can all become medical intuitives. In my dad's classes, 100% of the people were medical intuitives once. As soon as they realized they did it, they couldn't do it again. About, only about 10% of them kept that skill. But every person in the Silva method, when you go through, you put a silver space up and you think about somebody's problem that has an illness going on in their body, I'll tell you what that is the first time. And then what happens? Then what happens is they start questioning it. We don't trust. We don't trust. Hmm. So you're talking about in, the biggest thing with intuition is when you get a thought or act on it and then find out your own intuitive tells. When you talk about the tells, we have tells too. What, what we used to do with the kids in the classroom, I could tell you if I watched a video of a teacher, if something was going to be on the test and I watched her over the course of a week, I could tell you every piece of information she's sharing that would be on the test because she's trying to hide it from everybody. She knows what's going to be on the test. So we taught this to our, the kids in, the, in a study we did, and the teachers go, they're cheating somehow. And I said, no, we taught them <laughs> how to read right. you wow. and ask the right questions. So we gave them triggered questions to ask when they saw certain behaviors. And, we start, wow, and these, these people, they would literally start to squirm because they couldn't say it was going to be on the test. But you could ask that if you were a student. Mm-hmm. you say, that's a great piece of information, Miss White. Is that going to be on the test? And the teachers, like, freak out. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so. It's like the mentalist or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But they're, you're, everybody, everybody does that if they've been properly cued, right? When, as you're growing up, we get the things. Even, with, even yeah. as far as uh, being born, that starts to affect how you process reality. I mean, if you're born cesarean, they know you might not get all the releases of the primitive reflexes, which have a lot to do with coordination, learning, neurofunction. And now with everybody wanting to be convenient, you know, I'm going to schedule it because I have a golf game at this time. So you got to come at 10 in the morning or something. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. actually, someone told me one time uh, when I was dealing with chronic fatigue that like my body was locked into sympathetic state. And one practitioner thought because I was born as a C-section, it's a very stressful surgery. And I came into the world in a stressful situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was at least their theory. Yeah, because you didn't get all the you didn't get all the challenges. So one of the things you might want to do is get with the, there will be, be some biohackers. I, I learned some of it when I traveled with Robert Melillo. He's an expert at this primitive reflex stuff through Sweden. And I learned, even though I'm not a chiropractor, they, but people will have this in, we call it sympathetic escape now. So your body's in there, doesn't want to come out. So you're like locked in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as you get that flow, but breath work will do it. You know, you got to activate it. Lasers do it. You know, a light therapy will do it. You know, you just got to get flow into those areas. Yeah. And I feel better with all of those things. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's amazing that we have the tech to drop into that now. Mm-hmm. We didn't 10, 20 years yes. ago. It's so incredible. Right. Yeah. They, I've seen people that had chronic, like chronic fatigue, different problems happen. They, they take them through the seven steps to unlocking the primitive reflexes, and they never come back. Once they're unlocked, so if you find somebody who does that, I'd just recommend doing that just to get it done. Everybody yeah, I've ever met that, that, that's had a cesarean. Now, my daughter didn't have, they, we didn't have a cesarean, but she should have because she had other things happen. Because she, so you, there's a chance either way, right? Something might happen. Yeah. So you yeah. just got to recover from that. But they know when you go through those challenges, we learn through stress. Our physiology learns through stress. Our, our mentality learns through stress. Everything is about stress for us because then we adapt. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not a bad thing. In, I think that's one of the sad things that's happening in our world right now is they're not, a lot of things aren't being stressed anymore. Everybody gets to pass. Everybody gets an A. Everybody Super gets, comfy. you know, and right. that's not the way the universe works. You know, there, there is, unfortunately, it's still the law of the fittest, you know, who's, who's going to survive, you know, in if anything taught us anything over the last two years is that stress is a killer because of what it does. It choose, makes people do things they wouldn't do. Like they wouldn't go medicate in this way. They wouldn't stay in their house. They wouldn't wear a mask. They, oh, but because you're fearful, you'll do it because you want somehow that's going to help us out. And then, but now hopefully you'll learn from that and, and start to grow and, and develop. And I think that the main thing is, is to know your limitations and then look at how can you improve those? You know, so many people want to go from 
in the biohacking world from just finding out about it to being Dave Asprey tomorrow. You know, it's like... Yeah. Where's the shortcut? Yeah. Give me all the hacks. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't, your body can only develop so fast over time. You know, you no biohack's going to just cut out that process of time. You know, that's why you yeah. got to enjoy the journey. And it's not just about a fast change. It's about, this is a lifestyle, you know. That we, when we test people here, if there's any doubt, they should see our scans because we always get the best scans of nervous systems at the biohacking. The first one we did, the first one we did, we're like, we've never seen scores like this because we're used to going to medical conventions. Doctors are terrible. I'm sorry, they don't, they don't even know about nutrition. Most of them, nutrition. They think it's all about go, 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 and you're about, you're about to die here. You know, the Joe Wallach, I don't know if you, he is, he, mm-hmm. he, he actually had a, a talk that became famous about 20 years ago. It said, dead doctors don't lie. He was a medical doctor. Oh, and, and, wow. and these doctors were against nutrition, right? But the average doctor at that time only lived to be 55 years old. Wow. And these are in charge of our health. You know. That's terrifying. That's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah it is. I, I felt a sense of competition when I went to do my HRV scan yep. before the brain tap because... I think it's like a functional range, yep. a lab test. You know, we're not being compared to sick people here. We're amongst like some pretty yep. cool optimizers. So it's yep. awesome to be in this space and, yep. and up level in that way. Mm-hmm. This environment is just so supportive. Yeah, we see more 100% here okay. without doing anything. They're just wow. walking around at 100%. I mean, we don't see that. I mean, we yeah. see it in Olympic athletes or people that are really fit, but not at a whole conference. You know, when you have yeah. a few hundred people, usually, I mean, I can tell you we went to um, um, a Lyme conference with all the experts in Lyme disease and all that because we we work with that and get some good results with some doctors and those people I'm like when we we're the first day we were at dinner the team they're going these people are sick these are they are not in good shape neurologically and they're working with people who have autoimmune diseases you know and things like that I'm like and your immune system is part of your thinking system it's it's part of your you know we have this roving nervous system that in uh, immune system so it, it's thinking you know. Right. And with that yeah, light awesome. exchange, yeah. energy being exchanged that you were talking about before, yeah. so affected. Wow. Amazing stuff you've shared today. It's always such a pleasure to talk with you. I'd love to wrap up with a final piece of advice, something that our audience can start doing today to optimize. Well, I like to tell people sleep is your incubator for your superpowers. So uh, if you haven't, uh, don't have a practice to get you into deep sleep, do some breath work. And uh, thinking of gratitude, think of things you're grateful for the day, breathe into the metal count of four and breathe out to the metal count of eight. And each time you breathe out, what will happen eventually, that's when you breathe in, you're exercising that survivor brain, which you need to acknowledge. When you're breathing out, you're exercising that uh, thriving brain. And you want to get to sleep as deep as possible. And then you'll wake up tomorrow with energy and you can get to do it all over again with more energy. Amazing. That's great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Porter, for everything. And thank you to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.